I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, days of uncertainty in the pandemic. It's another crucial week for the coronavirus in California. The post-holiday numbers are coming in, a more contagious variant of the virus is spreading, and hospitals are filling, including some where ambulances have been forced to treat patients in the parking lot because there are no beds. My guests today are Chronicle reporters Aaron Alday and Jill Tucker. We're going to talk about where we're at with the surge and with vaccine distribution, and we're going to talk about whether inoculating teachers could reopen more schools. Aaron and Jill, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having for us. Having us, Damian. All right, so I want to start out with you, Aaron. We are still in this post-holiday surge, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, what is the latest on the numbers? Uh, is there any good news or are we still um, sort of spiraling into this bad period? I think on the whole, there is good news. Um, you know, we definitely saw a lull in cases coming into the holidays, coming into the end of the year holidays, Christmas and New Year's. Um, you know, not quite like a plateau, but but certainly things slowing down. Um, and I think some of that certainly is due to to testing and 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 things not being reported over the holidays and all that but some of that was real some of that is really you know a sense that we did get a little bit better grasp of the situation um at least in the bay area i should <clears throat> i should note that i'm talking specifically about the bay area um you know southern california as a whole is looking much worse um but you know now we're we're definitely you know in this time period where we should start seeing if we'll we'll see an uptick in cases from christmas um we're seeing kind of the first little signs of that little hints of that in the bay area but i think just given sort of some of the reporting issues um over the holidays and and these legs in in kind of getting these case counts up kind of get, get getting everything back online after this kind of slowdown during the break, um, that it's probably going to be another couple days yet before we fully understand just how bad um, this this post holiday surge will be. You know, I did talk to one health officer this week, Alameda County, who was basically like, we're they're, they're kind of in this this pattern where they're waiting to see if the post holiday surge is going to be just a temporary blip. Um, that we just see this little kind of uptick and then things go back to leveling off again, or if what we see is sort of a new a, a new surge kind of kicked off or we see things kind of rolling back back up all over again. Okay, and we've been watching very closely the hospital numbers, the ICU capacity, Aaron. Where are we at with that? Yeah, so it's it looks terrible in the bulk of the state in Southern California and and the Central Valley. They have been at zero percent um, ICU availability, which means they're into their like, they're deep into their surge capacity where they're using alternative care sites. You know, taking all these kind of extra, um, you know, putting into all these extra plans into play that they've been working on. So they've been in that spot for a good couple of weeks now. The Bay Area is not looking especially great overall. We um, have been under 10% um, ICU availability for about a week now, um, and and we're under 6% um, this week, early in this week. So, you know, that's it's not looking great. It's the, it's kind of the worst that we've been through this surge. Um, I will say it varies a lot from county to county. So Santa Clara County is definitely kind of on the worst end of things and has pretty low, has had pretty low availability, availability throughout. But San Francisco, meanwhile, has been reporting about 35% um, of its ICU beds are available. So they're in actually really good shape to the point where they're taking, you know, a few transfer patients from, uh, from other counties to help kind of, um, you know, offload their busyness. 
Speaking of Santa Clara County, Jill, you had a story about a, a pretty startling outbreak at a Kaiser hospital out there where a bunch of the staff got infected. Yeah, it was pretty shocking, actually. 44 staff members from the emergency room department at the San Jose Kaiser Medical Center uh, tested positive for COVID um, between December 27th and January and early part of, of this month, um, just a few days ago. Uh, and and one of them has died, um, and they are tracing it back perhaps to a Christmas Day uh, visit from one of the workers there who dressed up in a Christmas tree, an inflatable air-powered Christmas tree costume. And what they're fearing is that somehow this air-powered costume had blown aerosols or droplets around and, and infected uh, a good number of the staff um and you know an, an outbreak of, of 44 positives within a week period uh you know is, is quite a lot and you know with obviously they're they're continuing to investigate and do tests and uh contact tracing of any patients and things like that but but the reality is it was a it was a huge outbreak uh at a medical facility uh perhaps traced back to a costume it's just it's a weird uh a weird situation yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking to see this kind of outbreak happening this late in the pandemic when the vaccine is starting to be administered. Our, our colleague Cat uh, Ho is, is reporting that there have been only a half million um, administered doses so far in the state, and that's a, a state of 40 million people. So, you know, very bittersweet times, but but a lot of uncertainty. And Aaron, I know you've um, been writing some some about this new variant of the virus that is is adding even more uncertainty, right? Yeah, I mean, we've uh, now officially identified uh, six cases of this new variant, this new more contagious variant, which was first uh, identified in the United Kingdom in December. Um, we have six cases of that in the in California now, all of them in Southern California. But pretty much everyone I talk to says this thing um, is likely, you know far more uh, spread out than that. We probably have cases of it in the Bay Area that we just haven't identified yet. Um, we just we do a fair amount of testing for for those kinds of things for for new variants for mutations um, in in the strains that are circulating in the community. But we don't do nearly as as much as a lot of other countries. And and we just haven't done enough to really capture, you know, how much of this variant is actually in the community now. Um, so th we're kind of working on this assumption that it's here, probably not super widespread, or we would have kind of caught that signal by now. But, you know, as th the concern is that it, it really blew up in the United Kingdom. They went from it being in very low circulation to being the dominant strain, I think, in just like a matter of weeks, maybe a couple months. Um, so if it's here, the concern is that it's going to take over and become the dominant strain, you know, at, at some point. Um, and it's not more kind of threatening. It's not, it doesn't cause more serious disease. It doesn't cause more death, but it is definitely more contagious. And the last thing that any of us wants right now is, you know, to have this, this virus spreading that much faster and more easily, just as we're, you know, coming, hopefully starting to come out of the surge, or at least can see an end to that insight and, and have these vaccines around the corner. You know, we don't need this, this new foe kind of in our path. Okay, but to be clear, do the vaccines work the same on the variant as they do in the, in other strains that we know? As about? far as we know, yes. So um, people seem seem pretty confident that the vaccines will work, do work against this new variant. So that's not an immediate concern. Um, you know, 
the problem is with viruses is they mutate. This is kind of what they do. It's in their nature. They mutate all the time. Um, I think one thing to keep in mind with this variant, there's there's not fear with this variant that it's going to kind of escape the vaccine. What it is is a reminder that this is what viruses do. And it's not, you know, this kind of puts that pressure to really ramp up our vaccination effort because we are in this kind of race with this virus, which could at some point mutate and escape beyond our vaccine. And we do not want to get to that point. The last thing we want is to have taken our sweet time with with vaccine rollout and then end up with a strain that is, you know, untouchable or or isn't doesn't respond as well to our vaccine. I mean, we talked about the hospital capacity. Jill, you've also written about an an interesting scenario where paramedics have had to wait outside hospitals, right? And and I wonder to what degree that is happening because they can't get a, a bed in the hospital. Um, and what does that mean for patient care? Yeah, so we started hearing about um, ambulances having to to wait up to seven hours in the Bay Area within the last week. Um, it's not happening all the time. It, it's to a certain degree one-off situations for that long of a wait. You know, maybe an hour um, is a little more common. Um, they're definitely seeing it down in Southern California in LA where they're seeing up to eight-hour wait times. And what it means is that the ambulance goes to a house and or somewhere and picks up a patient and takes them to the hospital in an emergency situation. And once they get there, there's no room for that patient in the emergency department. There's no beds. So they end up waiting with the patient in the ambulance. Um, in some cases down in Southern California, doctors from the hospital are going into the ambulances to treat them because they don't have anywhere to put them inside. Um, and uh, and what that means is then the ambulances are sort of stuck at the hospital and you know, there, there, that means there could be a shortage of, of ambu- shortage of ambulances. In in some cases, uh, the San Jose Fire Department ended up having to transport some patients um, when they didn't have any ambulances. Um, but ultimately, you know, what we're seeing is just a huge backlog in the emergency departments, and that's then backing up the entire chain. Whether you're talking ambulances or other emergency responders, um, again, it's it's not common. Um, to be very clear, but it is happening. And the fact that it's even happened once or a few times, um, I think is a little scary for folks. All right. Well, I hope for a lot of people, the lesson is that we really need to limit this spread right now when the capacity is low. Guys, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the school picture um, in the in the pandemic. Be right back on Fifth Admission. You can support Fifth Admission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth Admission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by reporters Aaron Alday and Jill Tucker. Jill is our schools reporter. Jill, what is the latest on schools? You've written constant updates. Uh, everybody's frustrated to get back, but also... You know, we're in the middle of this surge. Um, what are the prospects for getting back and, and, and what does that look like? Well, right now, uh, the prospects look pretty bad for schools that are not already opened. Um, those that opened before the winter break can remain open, even though we're in a, a deep purple surge in some places. Um, uh but uh, so reopening other schools in the near future doesn't look very likely. Um, even though there's a process to do so, I think the fact that counties are under lockdown, um, 
you're just not going to see a lot of schools reopening probably in the month of January. Um, San Francisco was supposed to open January 25th. Um, they were unable to reach agreement with their labor unions and therefore um, push that back. Um, now, you know, given that the the surge is happening and the hospital capacity and the cases, um, in general, school districts and their unions are are very wary of even setting a date at this point to reopen. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks are hoping that a vaccine with teachers prioritized in the vaccine process and other educators and staff, um, that that will help open schools. But that kind of remains to be seen. You know, even with a vaccine, will teachers go back? Will other staff go back? Um, you know, what does it mean for the surge? What will county say? Um, you know, so there's a lot of question marks. And, and frankly, we just started the second semester in many places uh, yesterday. And so, you know, we're heading into, you know, the final months of the year, frankly, and, and whether schools will reopen before summer is, is uh, I think, in some places they won't. And uh, we might see some elementary kids going back before the summer break, but um, I don't know. I hate to say that because it really makes parents sad. Yeah. Jill, I want to ask you about this, a little more about this labor issue. But first, Aaron, I want to just ask you briefly what we know about the spread at schools. Um you know, are children that have been in schools, have they been spreading the virus? And if you're vaccinated, um, can you spread the virus if, if, for example, teachers get vaccinated, but children are not? Well, so on the on the kids and kind of the infection part, um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of of school school based outbreaks. Um, we've seen a few of them here and there, but it has not been a big issue um, it's, and, and they seem to have been pretty well contained when they do come up. So we haven't seen, you know, we've seen a few kind of, um, you know, individual cases in classrooms and then those kids are kind of cohorted and sent home and that kind of situation, but not really kind of the full on outbreaks, um, anything of that kind of concerning. Maybe Jill can speak, um, specifically to that if, if and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's my impression. Um, you know, on the vaccine front, it's, once people, you know, are fully vaccinated, you know, they're protected. So if you're a teacher and you go through the two dose regimen and you're you're vaccinated, you're not you know, your chances of getting sick, um, you know, having having an illness from from the coronavirus are very slim. These these vaccines are 90 to 95 percent effective. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean, as you pointed out, that you can't become infected with the virus and spread it to somebody else. It may just be that these vaccines provide prevent people from becoming ill with it. Um, we're still sort of figuring that that out. Um, I think that, you know, we need kind of more longer term data to know exactly kind of if there is an infectious period um, and what that means. Um, but, you know, for, for that's 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 why for the time being, you know, even even as we get people vaccinated, we're still going to need everybody wearing masks. We're still going to need to be social distancing until we get to this herd immunity level where, you know, we can kind of kick this virus to the curb for you know, for the entire community. So, you know, we just don't know what the case is going to be with individuals. So Jill, yeah, talk to us about this labor issue. For people that don't follow the the teachers unions in the state, obviously a very powerful body that has um, concerns. They've been in negotiations with schools, I think basically since the beginning of the pandemic, right? Uh, take yeah. us inside, take yeah. us inside that a little bit. Well, you know, so in order, you know, the the labor unions in this in the school district always negotiate for salary, for benefits, for working conditions. So when those change, they have to go back to the table. So obviously, when the pandemic hit, 
you know, they had to go back to the table and negotiate distance learning or, or figure out how to do all this. So, so now what they're doing is they're negotiating and have been doing in, in many districts is negotiating how to go back to in-person learning um, in hybrid situations or with safety protocols in place. And, and some districts have figured this out. So, you know, many, many, many students in Marin County are back in school. It's like 40,000 uh, students where they've reached agreements and, and the teachers and the students are back. Um, you see other places like, like Manteca where they reached agreements. But in places like San Francisco, Oakland, and many other districts, they are mired in these negotiations and have not come to agreements. Um, the, the unions are asking for uh, protections that go beyond what counties require, like, you know, getting students and staff tested every two weeks. Or um, in San Francisco's case, the teachers union was requesting that lids be put on every toilet so that when they flushed, the lids were closed and you didn't have any uh, spreading of water droplets, which of course is also not required by county officials. So so they're working through all of these things. Um, it, it makes it tough because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of fear. Um, and, and what we're seeing so far is that even though teachers uh, should start getting the vaccine probably later this month and, and other educators, that may, may not make the difference in terms of reopening schools. They still have to come to an agreement and we're not seeing uh, a lot of movement. Um, a lot of teachers don't want to go back until this is this is basically over, um, which which means maybe the fall, if if the fall. Yeah, this recurring theme that we keep talking about seems like is is uncertainty. And I, I just want to kind of ask you both from the people that you're talking to about the pandemic. Uh, it, it feels like all of a sudden there are a lot of unknowns. And one thing we don't have right now is is a real understanding of of what the ne- what the next months hold for us um you know is there a, a sense that you can give people about when things might turn and, and when even the uncertainty might end you know it's um interesting you speak to that as as we were talking um as as joe was talking and forgive me i was sort of uh looking around but just as we were talking on this podcast uh, san diego county reported 32 more cases of that new variant. Um, so just, you know, 20 minutes ago, we were talking about six cases for the state, and now we're up to 32 or more than 32. So that alone, I think, demonstrates to you the uncertainty we're dealing with, right? Like this thing is just still such a dynamic situation, like it's constantly changing. Um, and that's, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, I hate this uncertainty. It's making me you know, feel crazy. And I want to know when, you know, we're really going to be out of this and see things kind of looking a little bit like normal. And it's just, if there's one thing I've learned, it's just, we can't, (laughs) you can't even talk about that hardly. Um, Because I've been wrong so many times. And it's just, it's such a guessing game. And you kind of never know where this is going to take you. Um, You know, I will say we can still lean on what we do know, which is we do have a vaccine. It's effective against all the strains that are circulating out there. And we kind of just need to put our heads down, um, you know, take all the precautions we all know we should be doing anyway, and just sort of kind of bear with this for, you know, however long it's going to take. I wish I could give people a clear answer on how long that's going to be. But, you know, we do know how to get there. We know what that end, you know, looks like, basically. It's just sort of you know, grinning and burying it. Yeah, it's it's funny because, um, 
you know, a lot of my sources are, you know, they they don't have the answers. And in fact, I, I had a principal messaging me over the weekend asking me if, if I had an idea of when schools might reopen. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm supposed to be asking you that. So it, it's just, you know, the, nobody really knows. And, uh, you know, and I think for, you know, when you're talking about people who are so tired and stretched thin monetarily or with their kids at home, um, it, that uncertainty is really, really uh, wearing on people. And, um, and I see it, especially in the schools, the anger, the frustration, the division, it, it seems to be only growing when in fact we should, we should be digging our way out of this, or it feels like we should be digging our way out of this. And, and we're just not there yet. Yeah. Well, a lot of people hurting, obviously, thankfully, you know, we have jobs, a lot of people obviously facing, um, loss of jobs, evictions. Um, unfortunately we're, we're going to see some pain ahead, but I appreciate you guys covering it and coming on again. Thanks, Damien. Thanks. Thanks to my guests today, Chronicle reporters Aaron Alday and Jill Tucker, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.